Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puppy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And on Fresh of the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creatives of pop culture. Through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. And before we get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foul Mouth for the theme music for Fresh of the Word. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and just share any of the links for any of the episodes on any of your social media platforms. And also, you can subscribe to Fresh of the Word pretty much anywhere that podcasts are streamed. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, pretty much everywhere. And please, rate and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It will definitely help out the show. If you want to contact me, you can always reach me by email at djkfresh at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kfresh is the word and on facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh and you can also follow fresh is the word on twitter at fresh is the word and that's is with iz instagram at fresh is the word podcast and facebook at facebook.com slash fresh is the podcast all right this is episode 162 the guest for this episode is justine jones lead vocalist of the uk post-hardcore band employed to serve who released their latest album, Eternal Forward Motion, earlier this year via Spine Farm Records. 
Jones is also the label manager for Holy Roar Records, along with a contributor for Kerrang! Magazine. And during our chat, we talked about the new album and their new confidence in making this record. Growing into adulthood as a band, how the band formed, their musical influences, her upbringing, the topics the band likes to tackle, their process in writing an album, working with Spine Farm Records, and so much more. And before we get into this interview with Justine Jones, definitely want to remind you how you can support Fresh of the Word. I am on Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh of the word. And for as little as a dollar each month, you can support Fresh of the Word and everything that we're trying to do. And for the $3 a month tier, you can hear the Patreon exclusive episodes in which I dig deep into my audio archive of interviews that I've done outside the Fresh of the Word podcast for various publications for the past decade or so. Some I didn't even use at all. So go to patreon.com slash fresh of the word and check out all the tiers that are available. And there are even some tiers where you can be a part of the podcast. So once again, go to patreon.com slash fresh of the word and help out fresh of the word and everything that I'm trying to do with this podcast. And thank you to all the subscribers already for my Patreon. All right. Let's get into the interview with Justine Jones, vocalist of the band Employed to Serve. Yeah, to start things off, yeah, Employed to uh, Serve has a new album, Eternal Forward Motion. I really love it. It really kicks ass. It's hard. It's awesome. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how many other uh, compliments I can put in there, but... um, when you were, um, you know, what's your thoughts about the new album and how it uh, kind of compares to the previous works that the band did? Uh, I'm really happy with how it turned out. I feel um, compared to our last record, like it's a lot more um, confident. I feel like Warmth was like the start of us trying to like work, like finalize what kind of band we want to be. Um, and yeah, like with this album, I kind of felt like we went in it a lot more confidently and we like kind of knew what we uh, wanted to achieve with it. With that confidence, you know, how do you feel like you guys got there? Uh, just time. I mean, we've been a band for, well, we played our like first ever show six years ago in August. Um, so like, and we like started like the band or like the thought of the band when we were 19. Um, so we sort of like spent a lot of time sort of growing up through the band and and like traveling and stuff like that. And I just kind of feel like uh, it took a lot of like touring and sort of writing together to sort of get to this point. I think that's kind of like similar for lots of bands. I mean, there's some bands that seem to like do great records from the get go. Um, but like, yeah, it, for most people, it takes a, takes time and uh, trial and error. When you're in a band. When you're so young, you're 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 coming out of your teenage years into adulthood. You know what sort of things did you learn about yourself during that time? Um, probably like I wasn't as patient as I thought I was, or like to think I was. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, it's it's funny because like it's um it teaches you to be uh, more tolerant, I think, and patient with other people, touring with other people, because. You're in such a confined space all the time with each other, so you have to be really like considerate of others. Um, and I think like being in a band like really forces you into that. Otherwise, you're just gonna fall out all the time. 
I mean, fortunately, like we're quite docile people anyway, and there's not really any, many hotheads in the band, so like it kind of works out quite nicely that way. But yeah, it's funny because like it, it also kind of builds your confidence in the sense that we've like broken down in foreign countries and like we've had to get home and organize all of our gear home and stuff. We've like been through all those kind of things that other people wouldn't have, and I think that makes you feel very like confident that you can kind of you know take challenges like that in life. How did everybody in the band uh, come to be to, you know, start this band? You know, what was everybody doing beforehand and why did this band come together? Uh, so it started off um, between me and Sammy. So Sammy and I had been dating for five years uh, prior to ECS starting. Um, and basically we'd just gotten into uh, bands like Converge, Norma Jean, Botch, uh, loads of other Hydrahead and Deathwish um, bands. Uh, and we just wanted to sort of start something like it because previously, like, Sammy was in death metal bands and grindcore bands. Um, and we, like, went to loads of those kind of shows. And it took me a while to kind of uh, tap into that kind of side of hardcore. Um, so, yeah, like, as soon as I kind of got into those bands, I really wanted to um, be in a band and, like, do that kind of music. So we started off by um, doing loads of home demos in our back room. And there was this German label called warg records they released our first tps on tape and they both sold out even though we hadn't played any shows because we worked for a full lineup so we just decided to try and make a full band out of it because we thought oh people obviously are into the music we're making um and then through that way we found robbie because he was going to the same music university as uh, sammy did robbie's our drummer um and yeah he got he got on board that way and then yeah we just been through a couple of guitar and bass changes, um, but now our final lineup is um, Rich, who's been our guitar second guitarist for three years now, um, and Marcus, who's recently joined on bass. You have a great like guttural sound to your vocals. You know what was it about that hardcore style that sh that really drew to you? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I think it's just the energy. Like with um, I love death metal and stuff like that, and like. But the, my favorite part of the death metal were bands were things like, like bands like Obituary and like Dying Fetus, where they had sort of like hard times and breakdowns. And then I've always like been aware and loved like Hatebreed since I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, so I obviously didn't really kind of twig that there was a lot smaller bands than them and loads of bands that then influenced them. So it wasn't until I sort of started digging in that like, I really kind of felt very at home with hardcore and and just metal in general. Before you know, got into before you got into everything in regards to this band, you know, you know, what sort of a kid were you, and when did you first start getting like that itch to you know do music? Um, when I was a kid, when I was like kid, kid, like I was very hyperactive, um, and that kind of went into my school years as well, and I had to really force myself to sort of sit still. Um, so I guess when I started listening to faster and heavier music, it kind of reflected how I felt inside. <laughs> <laughs> right. Constantly just like on like buzzing and stuff. It's like so funny. Like even as an adult, I have to make sure I don't drink too much sugar or like caffeine because it just sends me up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like, yeah. So like I kind of got into that band, those kind of bands through um, just listening to like guitar music on like, uh, you know, like supermarket compilations, like now 49, 
uh, like introduced me to Blink One Eight Two, Sum Forty One, um, and like a few other bands, like I think Red Hot Chili Peppers and all, like Nickelback were on there. Um, yeah, so like I kind of like, oh, I like this like kind of you know quote unquote guitar music, and I guess it just kind of spiraled like all the um, older kids in school look like goths and I thought that was really cool and I asked what music they listened to and got into like Kerrang TV and Scuzz TV and just yeah that like those two TV shows and Metal Hammer and Kerrang magazine like dictated what I listened to for much of my teens like they got me into Kill Switch, um, Adelaide Dying, um, Trivium, Bullet like all of those bands that were exploding when I was at school. Yeah. Going into the new album, uh, Eternal Forward Motion, uh, your previous albums, the EP, you said the EP, you know, when, when you first released it, it just, you know, it sold out without even playing a show. Uh, you guys, um, you know, got critical acclaim for your previous albums. You know, what were you kind of, what was the mind state of the band going into uh, this album, you know, along with sort of having more confidence? What did you really want to do on this album? Um, so like, I'm a very goal orientated person. Um, so like each release, I have a little sort of wish list, um, slash bucket list of each album. Uh, so going into this one, like we really want to go to North America with it. Um, we wanted to, um, be available to a wider audience worldwide. So hence why we signed to Spine Farm, like they have a bigger platform in North America and Japan and Australia, like everywhere other than UK and Europe because um, yeah they, they have a big reach there as well but we tour the UK and Europe quite a lot um, but yeah we just really wanted to go further afield with this one so we should hopefully start going out to the States to tour um, and yeah we just wanted to make a heavy record like I find a lot of bands like after each record they try and go lighter and more accessible and I really want to do the opposite with this band right nice nice yeah and with um you know, the topics that you guys like to tackle, you know, how important is it to have substance um, for your on your records? Uh, for me, I only like writing lyrics that I care about and that I can relate to. So uh, there's lots of other bands who, who don't need that. And, you know, some of them are joke bands and they're really fun and still great bands. Um, but yeah, like it's very important, especially since we don't make a living out of this band. It, has to be like something I'm a hundred percent and we're a hundred percent invested in. How much, you know, of the, the lyrics that you come up with, you know, mirror your own life and then how much of it do you see, you know, just things around you? I think it's a bit of both. So Sammy and I like uh, share like lyric writing about 50, 50 and we like write a lot of lyrics together and sort of um, refine them that way. Um, but yeah, like a lot of it's to do with my own life or people around me or like very close to me. Like it won't be like a news story that will, um, that will like, sometimes things like that do inspire me or like I've been reading a lot of, uh, John Steinbeck books and like characters in those books, um, kind of remind me a lot of characters in my own life. So sometimes that will spark some lyrics, but it's more or less people around me or like, you know, family members and friends or myself. On the new album, you have a uh, the the you have a single and a video for "Harsh Truth." It um, really has to do with the suicides in the UK. 
you know, what, you know, how important is it to, you know, bring life to, you know, social issues like that? Oh, massively. Like, um, in British culture, it's rude to, like, you know, quote unquote, bring people down. Like, you know, if someone asks you how your day is, like, it's a typical British, like, response is like, oh, I'm fine, thanks, how are you, kind of thing, rather than actually talking about it. Like, it's a very, like, I feel like as a culture, we're very closed off to it. And I think there's quite a few other countries who have similar um, situations like that. And I think, especially uh, for young men um, and like like fathers and stuff like that, like it's a really um, like you know hot topic at the moment because one of the big leading killers of men in the UK is suicide, and I think that's like a massive like um, issue across all genders to sort of address. Um, and I think the more like there's a dialogue open about it. Um, you know, the more people are going to feel comfortable about talking about how they really feel. Because the thing is, as well, like a lot of these like thoughts that people have can like root back to this one moment in time that if they had gotten help, they wouldn't have escalated to feeling suicidal. As you know, as someone that's part of the younger generation in the UK, you know, how do you feel like you're represented there? You know, what's you know, what's sort of like the culture and society like these days? Um, so the media likes to, um, I think it's probably the same worldwide, likes to refer us as to, uh, to us as millennials. They like to think we're lazy and we like moan a lot about the state of things. Yes. And really, we're so misrepresented. Like we can't afford housing. Like uh, most of us have got like degrees and highly educated, but we're in a lot of debt and can't get the high paying jobs to get the houses. And like, you know, climate change is a very real problem. And I feel like a lot of these newspapers are just constantly trying to put our generation down. And really, it's like the ones before us who have kind of caused a lot of damage. Right. Uh, and I think like it's kind of frustrating because like you grow up in a school system where you're told if you get a degree, if you work hard, you'll be able to have this like picket fence life where you'll be able to have two point like you know, two kids you'll be able to have like you know that nice house and things like that and it's I've got friends who aren't in bands and are very qualified and you know high up in their jobs and they're still struggling to pay their mortgages so I feel like there's something very wrong with like how things operate here we're you know as you know as that millennial generation you know comes to you know comes to be and things are you know out in the UK, you have the whole thing with uh, Brexit going on, and there's like a lot of what you just said is you know things that are happening here in the in the in the Americas also. You know, how do you uh, you know how do you feel like we should be able to you know fight back towards that? You know, what what do you feel like as a band? How do you use your art to get the voices heard that maybe doesn't get heard? Um, so none of our lyrics are political. They're sort of more aimed at, um, I guess, social issues. But I suppose they do kind of um, bind sometimes. But I, I guess like it's just things like go, giving more to charities that you believe in, or just make like a simple act of like going to vote for someone you care about. Um, and but at the same time, like you know not being like brought down by all of this like noise outside because there's a lot within your own power that you can do to make your life better and like better for those around you. You know, how do you, you know, you said earlier that like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of impolite to, you know, 
bring people down. So you say, yeah, I'm all right or whatever. How do you feel like, you know, we as people can, you know, open ourselves up to be able to ask for help if there's issues going on in their lives, be a little bit more open with people? I think more face, like face-to-face interactions, like rather than sort of venting on things like social media, which I think, you know, like for the most part, like I think it's really unhealthy because you're so detached from the people you're talking to because there's no face or voice to it. Right. I think like actually instead of like binging on Netflix and like sitting, like scrolling through Instagram for hours, like go and see your friends or family and just be like, oh, you know, I've had a quite a bad day today. I'm really stressed at the moment of work and I'm scared I'm going to lose my job or I'm so worried about such and such. Like I think because of having so much technology at our disposal and like, com- like combined with not having much money, I think people are going out less and like seeing people less, which I think is like really unhealthy. What do you do to get sort of that face-to-face, you know, time with your friends or the people that care about, that you care about? Uh, oh, wait, how do I sort of like book it in or like go and do it? Yeah, how do you, how do you sort of like, you know, decompress, you know, get that face-to-face time with other people or with the outside world, you know, outside of, you know, watching TV or being behind a computer or a smartphone or whatever? Um, so I, I personally, like when I get home from work, I leave my phone on like the kitchen table and I leave it there for the rest of the evening or at least try to. And, you know, just when I'm feeling like rubbish, instead of like, um, watching TV or something, I try and go for a walk or I try and meet up with someone. Um, cause it's so funny cause I have to force myself to do it cause that's no longer a habit. Like my new habit is just scrolling through Instagram. Like I, I am a complete hypocrite. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people's, uh, I think a lot of people's go-to is to do that now. (laughs) But, like, I find, like, the best thing, especially with working full-time, like, you convince yourself you don't have time to see people and that you need to get an early night. When, in reality, if you just, like, book seeing in people, like, with people, like, like it's a doctor's appointment, book it in advance, set a date and a time, and stick to it. Like, you'll find that you're, like, it's much easier to do. Or even just set, like, like, every Wednesday you go out and see someone. Oh yeah, I've been I've been doing the same thing. I've been trying to do that exact same thing where yeah, I just book it into my calendar and just do it that way because you know, when we're when we were all kids before, you know, smartphones and everything were really prevalent, you know, things just kind of happened, you know, you might get a phone call on your landline phone or whatever. Hey, come over. We're going to hang out, blah blah blah, or you just walked over to your friend's house. But now we, we, you know, we automatically just go behind our devices and it's like, then next thing you know, it's, you know, one o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah. And like, and you kind of like kid yourself thinking, oh, I'm in a WhatsApp group with these people. Like, oh, it's like seeing them. And it's really not like, it's so funny how you're like, oh, I've been chatting to them all week. It's fine. I don't need to see them. And like, I think another like big thing as well, like when you're with people, don't look at your phone. Yeah, I definitely try to do that. I'm like, I just, you know, put it on silent or don't vibrate or whatever. Make sure that I'm like, I'm definitely giving them my undivided attention because I hate when other people do that to me. Yeah, exactly. But it's so funny because like, it's not even people trying to be rude. It's such a like a automatic thing, like blinking sometimes. They don't even realize you're doing it. 
um, and it, yes, like really retrain yourself to just sort of like, like not take your phone. Like I've actually like much to uh, people's annoyance, like started leaving it at home when I go out to meet with people for coffee. Do you find uh, do you find yourself to be a, a social person? Like when you're out and about, do you like talking to people? Do you uh, feel comfortable being in in crowds? Um, depends on my mood, but for the most part, yeah. Like I'm I'm quite an extrovert. Uh, I do need sort of like time to like recharge and stuff if I've been on a long tour and around people all the time. But yeah, for the most part, I do I do like talking to people, especially now that I've left retail. <laughs> <laughs> you made me an introvert and hate everything because I, I, before I started working for, like in retail I genuinely had a love for humanity and it just it just went yeah I think um I think any of us that uh have to deal with like the end user or whatever like a customer like my day job is doing tech support so oh, um, yeah similar to what I used to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh yeah at that point like you can go and get into those uh realms where you're just like I don't want to talk to people like actual talk to people ever <laughs> when you when you sort of you know get into like those type of things oh yeah massively like it just make it just makes me like want to implode like because some people are just so rude, I can't even fathom it. Like I just, because I would never treat anyone that way. So it's so weird to me when, like, when you're in the position of like being served by someone that you feel like you own them and you can talk to them how you want. Right. <laughs> like recently on this one TV show I was watching, someone was saying that, uh, you know, just just to paraphrase that, you know, dealing with customers. Uh, um, makes you want to watch those true crime uh, specials for inspiration. Yeah, yeah, I totally get it. But the, the worst part is, though, is there's, there's some genuinely lovely people who used to buy me, like, cookies and coffee and stuff because they were so thankful. But it's always, like, it's such human nature to only remember the really bad ones. <laughs> right. I think that's. I think that just kind of happens all the time. Even when you're, like, an artist, like, you can, like, have 100 great reviews for your album, but then that one like bad review that one person that's like this shit sucks that will like sting oh yeah like it'll keep you up at night you'll be like oh piece of shit no i'm terrible but um yeah like it's totally that i guess it's um i guess it's such a pessimistic cycle to get in and you have to sort of try and uh try and get out of it <laughs> how do you sort of deal with you know criticism of you know the music of the band do you uh ever just you know, do you ever think about it? You know, what do you do about it? I know this isn't probably healthy, but I tell myself I'm the greatest thing ever. So, like, if, like, they don't get it, that's their problem. <laughs> I just I just try and, like, be like, well, you know, in the sense that I tried the best I could in that moment in time. And it's like, if people, if people aren't into it, then it's just like, oh, well, I had a really good time making it. And, like, I spent a really long time like having a go at like yeah doing the best I could so I guess yeah and like at the end of the day music's so subjective I mean there's some massive bands that I'm like well, who the hell made them big do you know what I mean but so yeah I think there's always going to be someone who dislikes it and at the end of the day I'd rather someone love or hate our music rather than be lukewarm because I think that's the biggest insult because that just means you're boring when when you guys are going into the studio or even before you go in the studio to you know write an album 
you know, what's sort of the process, you know, what, what's sort of the first things that you, uh, that you're doing to prepare for a new album? It's, uh, for me, it's literally on my hour train to and from work. It's just listening to the tracks over and over and over again on the playlist. Um, <laughs> that's how I sort of like learn them. And then in terms of like writing and stuff, we have like quite a few band practices where we try and play it all live and see if it works live before recording it. Um, yeah, it's just sort of stuff like that really. It's just, is literally just like exhausting the songs to the point where you don't want to listen to it when you get the masters sometimes. <laughs> did um did you guys self produce this uh, pre um this new album? Um so we went to Lewis Johns at the ranch in Southampton. So he did our first two records. Um and with this one we were just like we really enjoyed working with him on the last two. So yeah, we just went with him again. He's just such a, a chilled out person and he's really good at what he does. And uh the studio is actually in, in a farm, so it's just quite a nice space to work in. What does he kind of bring to the project for you guys? You know, what does he get out of you guys? Um, he, he, because he's so um, patient with you, he's really good if you're having a really bad recording day at getting the best take he can without sort of like making you feel more stressed. Um, and also, also like we're quite open to sort of experimenting with like like kind of guitar sounds and stuff like that so it's a bit more fun for him i think <laughs> how does the band sort of get through like creative differences if you have any uh we don't really have any actually to be fair um we all listen to very much similar music so um yeah like i think we're quite diplomatic uh, so yeah, like I, I don't, we don't really have any differences like that. Um, and I guess when it comes down to it, we have a sort of majority rule kind of, um, you know, take on things. Like if three band members want something to happen, then it happens unless like the other two are so against it. Um, but yeah, like we haven't really had any issues with that. How do you uh, make sure that what you do in the studio can translate well to your live show? Uh, so what we do is we make sure that like we try and like practice it in the practice room first to see if it works because there's some things if you do extra bits in the studio and you can't perform them live um, I think it really takes away from the show so yeah we just make sure it sounds great in the practice room since this album is now out now out into the world you know where you know how do you see the progress of this uh, band in relatively a short period of time, you got you guys are still you know relatively a new band basically in comparison to other bands. You know, where do you see the best progress in it all? Um, as in terms of like where we hope to sort of like get to from this album. Yes. Uh, so I I think yeah we'd like to sort of get to the point where we can comfortably like headline like a world tour eventually that would be really nice like to, to like go somewhere like australia and like america and you know have at least a hundred people there <laughs> that'd be really nice that's kind of like what i want to aim for <laughs> yeah i think you guys will uh, get there uh, really soon you know how do you feel like you know what's the next step to be able to do that you know i know you guys uh, are with spine farm uh, records and they you know they have a uh, a wide reach you know, how has it been working with them and, and what is those next steps to try to do that worldwide tour? 
uh, yeah, it's been really good working with them. Um, I was a bit apprehensive because the label I work for um, was our old label, so I had absolute control over the release. So it was quite scary for me handing over the reins, but they're a really good team and they've um, worked really hard for us and we're really happy with working with them. Um, and in terms of sort of taking the next step, it's just a case of getting support slots from bigger bands like across different territories. Like that's how we did UK and how we did Europe. Like I was still using that to sort of like, um, you know, like build our own sort of headline shows. It's just a case that when you're taken out on a support run, like you're advertising yourself to a whole new fan base in theory. Um, so you just got your game is to sort of try and convert those people into fans. Right. Um, and yeah, so it's just a case of just getting some decent support slots and festival slots, really. When you you know you were talking about handing you know the reins of this you know album over to more over to the label, you know how did that feel? You know how did it feel to sort of give up a little bit of control with you know working with Spine Farm? Um, I I like to be a, I am a control freak. Um, so yeah, it was, it was quite hard, but at the same time I wanted it to happen because I wanted to have a separation from my work and my band because I never wanted to seem biased to the other bands on our roster. Um, so yeah, like this is a lot easier. Like, you know, for example, like I can do ETS things on my lunch break or after work now, and then I can like give my full attention to our, like, um, the bands on our roster when I'm at work. Um, it's just a lot easier because sometimes the lines would blur. And I felt like I let, let things for employed serve slip a bit because I didn't want to seem biased. You know, in your past experience, you know, what sort of things outside of just the band do you have um, sort of experience in when, in, when, when it comes to um, the music industry? Uh, outside of being about, I guess, uh, booking shows, like I had to book a lot of our own shows when we first started because no one knew who we were and no one would book us. Uh, so I used to book a lot of shows. I, I booked all of our tours at the beginning. Um, and yeah, I guess I do a lot of logistics kind of stuff still, like booking like vans and organizing people and stuff like that. It's quite a, it's quite a good uh, life lesson, I think, being in a band, especially when you were a DIY at the beginning. <laughs> right, definitely. And what, you know, for anybody listening to this podcast, doesn't matter what uh, sort of avenue of artistry that they're in, you know, what do you feel like being in a band, you know, teaches you that can be transferable to anything in life? Uh, it teaches you a lot about yourself, which is really helpful because it kind of teaches you to like uh, self reflect on situations where you could have been in the wrong, and I think that's like a really invaluable life tool. Um, I think like multitasking, um, just like, you know, sticking to commitments. Like, I don't know why more jobs don't hire band members because they're so hardworking. <laughs> Getting in at 3 a.m. and then basically showering to get to work the next day, and they'll still be on time for you because they need the money. So, like, I don't, rather than like, people who don't have any other hobbies outside of work and they just drag their knuckles through the day um so yeah like it's i think like there's a special like breed of person or slash they're probably very crazy like <laughs> i think there's something very wrong with band members i mean like you like doing all of this for no money and sleeping on floors um but uh no i think i think being in a band or doing like a something you love doing is such a 
a rewarding thing to do. And I think it's so much more interesting than just sort of like going for the whole, oh, I'm just going to work and that's it for the rest of my life. Right. <coughs> Sorry. You mentioned about uh, sort of learning that in learning that idea of being, you know, p perhaps being in the wrong and, you know, thinking about things like that. You know, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with being, you know, with having honesty with yourself when it comes to dealing with a band and just, you know, in life general? I think it's just the breathing technique. <laughs> Anytime, like, I think you should never react in anger because um, then it just, I don't know, I just think that's a very childish thing to do and I think part of being an adult is being like, um, what's the word? Just being like considerate of others. I mean, sometimes other people are just being inconsiderate and it, but sometimes you just got to be the better person to rise above it and just get a, like a situation done. And, like find a solution because like it's no point in wasting your life like arguing and and like you know dwelling on like mistakes and things like that because in like you know a couple weeks you won't even remember that situation I think that's like the main thing to like remember like it always it's always so insignificant when you look back on it you know why do you personally do this crazy thing of being in a band and sleeping on floors for no money and whatnot you know why do you do it um, I just love music. I love performing. I love meeting new people. Um, like being in a band is like the most rewarding thing I've done with my life, and I wouldn't change it. Like even when I've been really stressed to the point of wanting to scream, <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> I like. I just think it's so much more like rewarding than working a job I hate and getting stressed through that. Because there are people who are working like you know, probably like bankers or something, and they're having like, the worst stressful time ever. And all they're doing is just going home to their massive TVs, whereas I will come home and I would have like been to about six or seven countries in one tour and met loads of people. And I just really like the fact that I have friends like dotted around Europe that I can contact if I need somewhere to stay or yeah. you know, go for dinner with when I'm near them. It's just, yeah, it's just really nice. I've got some like lifelong friends now from touring. Yeah, and you get to scream on stage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get to yell at people. It's free therapy. <laughs> right. How how important is it to just make good friendship friendships, you know, whether it is with other musicians or just people, you know, you, you meet on the road, you know, how important is it to have real friendships? Oh, it's fundamental. Like at the end of the day, features like we need like family, we need friends, otherwise, you know, it's scientifically proven that we will be miserable. Like they're like literally on the you know, the, the kind of living pyramid of needing water and food is is like social interaction. So, like having these friendships where like you've been through like you know rubbish times and good times together is just such a a great bond to have rather than just lots of superficial friends that you kind of try and keep in contact with through school. Is there anything that you do creatively outside of this band? Uh, yeah, so like I I draw. Um, and then what else do I do? I used to do photography a little bit more uh, frequently than I do now. Yeah, I'm sort of like I kind of dabble in a lot of things really. I'm getting back into drawing again because um, that's something I can do whilst listening to my records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What you know? What sort of uh, what sort of feelings do you 
do you what what sort of feelings does your music invoke in yourself when you listen back to it? Uh, it makes me want to go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I kind of like I get I feel like energized and stuff. I guess it's just because I associate with playing live, and that makes me feel energized, especially after a long drive. Right. Do you do you enjoy like the traveling part of being in a band? You know, how do you sort of deal with you know? driving to different places to play you know do you like that or you know is it something that you really have to prepare yourself for depends on how long the drive is <laughs> um so i i split the driving with sammy so i i kind of opt to drive just to to kill some time um but i, I read a lot of books and stuff and i try and keep myself busy in the band so my mind doesn't go to mush um but yeah like i mean the overnight 10 hour drivers are very challenging for sure and I'm like, why am I doing this? Um, but no, for the most point, I don't mind it. Just as long as it's like um, the heating works in the van, I'm happy. Oh. oh, just wait, just wait till you do a U.S. tour and you realize how much of nothing is in the middle of the U.S. Yeah, just just like weird service stations. Yeah, and just when you have to drive from one on uh, city to the next city, and you realize there's nothing in between it. And you're just oh, driving for oh. a while. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'm sure we'll be all right. I'll, uh, I'll take lots of books for those ones. <laughs> what sort of books do you uh, do you like to read when you're on the road? Uh, a lot of nonfiction. I try and stay away from like things that are too nihilistic because uh, that bums me out. Uh, but at the moment, I I, list, I watched. Uh, sorry, I read um, Jeff Vandermeer's uh, Southern Reach trilogy. Uh, so authority, annihilation, and I've forgotten the last one. Uh, I read those, and I read Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck, which is very depressing. <laughs> um, and I've also read East of Eden, um, and I read June. Uh, so like it's kind of like a mixture of um, sort of American like novelists and and a lot of sci-fi as well. I like sci-fi. Is there any sort like with the books that you read or anything else, is there any sort of things like that or any other research that goes into the lyrics of, of your songs? Um, kind of. There's a couple of um, like lyrics in the album that was inspired uh, by uh, Philip K. Dick's uh, Do Sheep uh, Dream of Electric... Sorry, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Yeah. Um, so there's like a few like... Like there's this uh, kind of bit where there's like they like have this mood organ, um, and they put like punch in like emotions they want to feel. So I thought that was quite cool. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it's like only like kind of little bits I get inspired by. You know, thus far, you know, where where has been some of the, your favorite places that you've uh, you know gone with the, with the band thus far? You know, what are some of your favorite cities? Um, I really like going to Prague. Uh, in Czech Republic, that's like a really nice place to go. Um, and I really like, where else do I like? Uh, Berlin's really cool. There's lots of like nice food places and bars and there's quite a few cool tourist attractions there. Um, yeah, I always like got a soft spot for uh, Tilburg as well in the Netherlands. We've been there so many times. <laughs> with the Incubate Festival and that, it kind of feels like a tour home. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard a lot of bands say the Czech Republic goes hard. Yeah. Yeah, they're really awesome. Like, I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of bands miss them out um, and just go for Germany. 
but they're, they're so awesome out there. Like they always make the effort and they go crazy. Uh, they're always, they're just, they just tend to be really like nice people out there. You know, whether it's, you know, stuff you read online or what people say at your shows, you know, face to face, what sort of feedback do you get from your audience? Uh, the nicest feedback we get is uh, it tends to be that uh, people can relate to our songs a lot and that they've helped them through negative times, which is really nice. Um, and other times it's just like, it's really cool because people are just like, oh, you're my gym playlist. You've helped me like beat loads of PBs. So that's quite cool. <laughs> yeah, you've, uh, yeah, you guys have definitely been on my work playlist uh, when I'm just trying to get through the day at work. That's good to hear. Yeah, anything to get you through a difficult time. Hopefully our album will be there. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, what is, you know, I always like to ask this question uh, in interviews is, what is some, what sort of a nugget of knowledge from your life that anybody listening to this interview, doesn't matter what sort of avenue of artistry that they're in, that they could sort of project into their own life? Uh, I think the biggest one, like this is kind of like a, a more a life-wide one. I think just don't take yourself too seriously. I think like that's the biggest one, like because it boils down to you getting stressed over things, like over like your work and things like that, and like just allow yourself to make mistakes and like yeah, just don't take yourself too seriously because um, like you're your own harshest critic. Uh, so yeah, don't make life hard for yourself. Love thyself. <laughs> How do you sort of balance that, like, not taking yourself too seriously while being serious about making art? Uh, I flip between. Like, I'm trying to be, like, I'm a bit getting better as it, at it as I'm getting older. Like, I've started, like, running and things like that and just just trying to, like, give myself genuine breaks from things I think is, like, the best thing I've done uh, because sometimes I, I get really obsessive over everything, hence why... I work for a label and I'm in a band because I love music and I'm obsessed over it. I don't think that's healthy to a degree, um, but I think it's important to be a bit more balanced as a person and have other things going on that you can turn to when something's not going great. You know, with being in a band and working with a la working for a label, what's, you know, in the future, if you wanted to step away from being a performing musician is there anything in the music industry that you'd like to do no <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally i love playing live so much like i really enjoyed like working for a label as well but i have no desire to be a booking agent or a or a manager it just seems very stressful with uh with little reward to me personally I, I like playing the shows and i like as a label manager i love like going to release shows and seeing like the album translate live and people get excited <laughs> but yeah I, literally nothing else excites me about the music industry <laughs> <laughs> if if you you know wanted to step away from performing is there anything outside the music industry that you'd like to do or do you just want to perform until you die like lemmy uh probably perform until i die um <laughs> I, I worked a little bit in film uh before this and my passion, like, I have an animation degree, but I just didn't find that anywhere near as rewarding as music. Um, so yeah, like, I guess like that, I think, I think that's pretty much it. Like I just love playing music so much. I've kind of resigned myself to being that old person on stage. <laughs> <laughs> when, you're, 
when you're on stage, you know, performing, what kind of goes through your mind when you're you're seeing the crowd out there, you know, really feeling the music? Uh, it's really nice. There's nothing quite like it. Um, it's like for once, I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm just thinking about performing the songs for these people, and I think that's why it's so why I like performing and why I like running. I think it's because you have to concentrate on your breathing and you have to concentrate on like what you're doing. Um, and I think that's nice because like I'm, I think with everyone, like you're constantly multitasking, your brain's scanning everything around you all the time. And you know, you're thinking about random things, but yeah, like I think that's the one time like my brain goes quiet. I think right now we're in a great time in regards to bands like yours you know, bands that are sort of adjacent to hardcore music, you know, how do you, you know, what, where do you see this, you know, this sort of style of music going in the future? And, you know, how do you feel like, you know, you can be sort of unique in it all? Um, I think there's always like uh, room for changing things while still being metal. Um, I'd like to think it would just keep getting heavier. Like I think metal as a whole is such a great genre. And as much as I like um, things like hip hop and you know, like rap, I, I kind of get worried about people going too much into that in metal because I think the whole essence of metal is what I love about it so much. So I think like I'd like to think it wouldn't dilute and it would just get heavier. You know, what sort of music do you like outside of you know metal? Um, I like a lot of things like uh, I guess rap and hip hop, like. JPEG Mafia, uh, Brockhampton, um, I like bands like Softkill, Cold Cave, Drab Majesty, just sort of loads of like almost like hardcore adjacent things. It's kind of funny, like it's almost like uh, hip hop that hardcore kids like, um, <laughs> like Odd Future stuff. And uh, what else do I listen to? I listen to um, a lot of post rock as well. Uh, and there's this band called uh, Duster that was like from the 90s. I've just gone into a lot. Um, I really like them. I like lots of stuff from the Flenser, so like Have a Nice Life, um, Giles Corey, Planning for Burial. So it's quite a lot, really. Um, and I, oh, I listen to like Purity Ring as well, which are more electronic. You know, listen to a, listening to a wide variety of music, you know, how does that sort of help your creativity? Um, yeah, it helps you a lot because you kind of get like ideas for like um, how you could go like phrasing like lyrically and things like that. More importantly, like I listen to music nine hours a day at work. I listen to it an hour on the train, an hour back, and I listen to it when I get home. So realistically, I can't listen to the same kind of music all day as I get sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Reason, um, but it's cool because it means I properly digest albums, which is nice. Cool. And with with sort of having with uh, sort of digesting music that that way, you know, how does that help with creating your own music? You know, when you're creating a whole album for yourself. Uh, I think it, I I'm more aware of like flow, I guess, um, especially Sammy as he does like all the the uh, songwriting. I think by listening to albums in their entirety, like I think that's really important for one because like the artist has spent ages writing this to this body of work for you to listen to and not just one song and loads of songs work in the context of an entire album. Uh, and yeah, and also you kind of see what works and what doesn't work. Um, so that's, you know, that's quite a good way to sort of like write your own album. Right. 
And I always like to, you know, end my uh, interviews with the same question. And if it, and it's okay if you don't have a uh, answer for it or not. And the uh, question is, who is somebody that you could re- recommend for this podcast for me to interview? Someone that I could realistically interview that would have some good stories or lessons to talk about? Oh, uh, probably Larissa Stupa from Venom Prison. Um, she's like, so I'm pretty certain she's Russian, but grew up in Germany. And I was like, I've read some stories about her, um, in Kerrang when she used to sort of like get in fights with Nazis and stuff like that. Like, so she's pretty interesting. And she was in, um, she's been in a hardcore band, uh, since she was quite young and now she's in this awesome death metal band. Uh, so yeah. And like, I've, I've also, uh, know her quite well. Um, yeah, she's really awesome. Okay, yeah, I am familiar with them. What, um, yeah, before we get out of here, you know, where can people go online to get more information about the band and everything you guys are doing and the new album, Eternal Forward Motion? Uh, I think the best place is probably like our Facebook or Instagram. Um, and then in terms of like listening to our album, it's like on all streaming services um, and it can be bought from Spine Farm US's store. All right, great. It's been an awesome talking with you. Like I said, I love the new album. I've been listening to it so much since I got it. And good luck with everything. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, dude. I appreciate it. All right, that was my interview with Justine Jones, lead vocalist of the UK post-hardcore band Employed to Serve. Go cop that new album, Eternal Forward Motion. There'll be links in the show notes for this episode at freshofthepodcast.com on where you can stream and purchase that new album and where you can follow Justine and Employed to Serve online. All right, another show in the books. Thank you for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.